Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and a true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. Our topic today is our NBA takeaways from the first week of the NBA season. So, Jalen, what is one takeaway that you have so far from the first week of the NBA season? So my first takeaway from the NBA season easily is that Klay Thompson means more to the Golden State Warriors than casual fans will ever realize. I want to put this in perspective. The other day, Damian Lee had to save them, save the Golden State Warriors with essentially a late game tip in to win by one point against the Chicago Bulls who are by far the youngest team in the NBA by like a country mile. Let that sink in. Kelly Oubre is zero for 31 on shots that are not dunks. Let that sink in. Like, the Golden State Warriors, and don't get me wrong, Steph had a really good night the other day. I think it was 29 points. He had two steals, two blocks, um, had a good handful of assists, even got a couple of rebounds in there. But I don't think that Steph, I mean, actually put it like this. Even if Steph can sustain the kind of play that we saw last night, they won by one point against a team that is nowhere near in the championship conversation. Against teams like the Nets, they got murdered. I mean, annihilated. And granted, maybe we could chalk that up to the fact that you have one of the most dynamic offensive one-two punches in the league in Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, but a lot of the championship caliber teams have two guys. You know what I mean? Even some of the non-championship caliber teams like Washington, for example, at least has Bradley Beal and um, Russell Westbrook, even if that team isn't performing at the level we would maybe hope for with those two guys linking up. Even they're a significantly better team talent-wise than what the Bulls are, and they squeaked out a win yesterday. So I think people who may have been on the Steph Curry bandwagon the last couple of years are pointing to Draymond Green as the guy who's the shift mover in Golden State. I think everybody slept on the fact that Klay Thompson is probably single-handedly the best two-way defender, um, two-way, two-way player, two-way wing player in the NBA, and the Warriors are feeling the pain of not having him around. So I'm glad you brought up Golden State because that's actually one of my takeaways. But I want to expand on what you said because I think this is just more about Klay Thompson. This team is struggling right now. And you're right. They won by one point against the winless Chicago Bulls. And they lost by 26 to the Nets and 39 to the Bucks. Jalen, they didn't break 100 points in any of their losses. And those were to two of the best teams in the league. Now, granted, there are a few bright spots, like you mentioned Steph Curry. I think Steph proved to me that he's still the greatest shooter in the league, 
and it almost looks like he hasn't missed a step. I'll say James Wiseman as well, because I think James Wiseman has shown flashes of what he could be like in his career. I think he is that old school center who's dominant in the post, a dominant shot blocker. I think he's been impressive so far. But this team, like you said, is, is really missing Klay Thompson. But they're also really missing Draymond Green. I think those two guys could complement Steph, and I think Draymond could complement um, James Wiseman as well. But this goes beyond it. Like I said, I think it goes back to that trade with D'Angelo Russell and Andrew Wiggins. I don't think that trade was right for the Warriors, Jalen. Especially looking at it in hindsight, Golden State needed a guard. And D'Angelo Russell is one of the best guards in the league. And he was also one of the bright spots for a team that only won 15 games last year. Now, granted, I'm not saying Andrew Wiggins is a bad player. But looking past Andrew Wiggins, Kelly Oubre is 0 for 17 from 3 this year. And like Jalen mentioned, he's been struggling as well this year. Now, I think if, if, uh, if Clay and Draymond were healthy, I think the two losses, I think the outcomes of those games would change. I mean, I think – I mean, I completely agree with that. When I, I mean, I don't know about necessarily the Nets game. I think that was a game where maybe it would still be close, but I would pick the Nets over them. Milwaukee's a bit different. My big thing with this team, and I think you touched on it towards the end, right, was you were talking about D'Angelo Russell um, and his contributions to this team. Um, I'm not going to say that they necessarily should, quote-unquote, regret it, but I think when you think about what Golden State is all about, you know, you always talk about the freedom of movement, um, ball placement, guys moving without the ball, different things like that. This team is not built like that. There's a meme that's going around where Kelly Oubre dribbles around three defenders, goes for a heavily contested layup, um, and misses off the front of the rim, gets to the free throw line, but you see Steph's face kind of kind of muck up. And then they pan over to Steve Curry. He's like talking to somebody. And you can tell that he's talking about the play that just took place, and his head drops into his hands. And when you see that, I don't think it's because they necessarily didn't like the play. I think what they didn't like was the fact that they know that's not how they play. You know what I mean? I'm sure they enjoy the fact that they're able to watch Kelly be aggressive towards the rim and have a guy who is aggressive around the basket. But Golden State is not known for having players that are taking on double and triple teams in traffic and trying to finish around them. Golden State is known for actions, off-the-ball movement, getting guys open, finding whatever the most open shot is. And this team just doesn't have that right now. And I think that D'Angelo Russell would be a guy who not only could play without the ball a bit better than a guy like Kelly Oubre or even Andrew Wiggins on top of that. But I think the other thing is is his passing ability is underrated within an offense like this, like this one that kind of needs people 
that are willing facilitators. You're not going to have a lot of guys who average five plus assists on the team, but you're going to have a lot of guys who average five plus hockey assists on the team just because of their willingness to move the ball around. And they just don't have the roster for that right now. It's kind of unfortunate, but this is one of those seasons that is going to tell us a lot about Steve Kerr as a coach when the, when the deck isn't stacked against them. Um, there was a joke that went around when he was in um, a press conference after the Nets game where his comment was, um, I deserved that in response to getting shellacked by a Nets team that was pretty much as stacked as some of the Golden State Warriors teams that he's coached. And I think that, you know, these next couple of years in particular will kind of let us know about how, you know, how the bread is buttered when it comes to Steve Kerr as a coach. And it's interesting because, Jalen, during our first power rankings series, you had Golden State in your top five. And then you had some concerns, which led to you pulling them out of your top five. But, Jalen, I'm – I'm concerned for this team right now because this is not the Golden State Warriors team that I saw five years ago. Um, This Golden State Warriors team is completely different. And I think the supporting cast, the supporting cast is not doing so well right now. I mean, this Damian Lee is one of the, one of the bright spots for this team. Um, Like you mentioned in the, in the Chicago game that he pretty much saved the Golden State Warriors from going 0-3 to the Bulls, um, but there's there's a lot of questions that are going to be answered during this season. Um, what's your second takeaway? Um, my second one is actually on the opposite side of the game we just discussed. Um, as a bit of a, a bit of a homer in terms of talking about the Chicago Bulls, my favorite team, I have to kind of get in on them after the first week, and I did some digging, dude, and. Man, the stuff that you realize when you really look into some of these NBA teams. Um, my, my second takeaway is that my Chicago Bulls are too young for the 2021 version of the Eastern Conference. Now, what do I mean by that? I did some digging around, and I found out that the average age of the Chicago Bulls right now is younger than the Wisconsin Badgers basketball team in college. That's how young my my Chicago Bulls team is right now. That's scary as an upcoming organization that's trying to turn things around with Karnaschovas at uh, the GM helm and, you know, bringing in a new coach and Billy Donovan and trying to make adjustments with the younger guys that we have, not moving on from guys like Laurie Markkinen, letting guys like Otto Porter come back on the books for another year instead of expressing potential trade talks with um, involving him, Um, not entertaining much in terms of moving on from a guy like Zach Levine. Like, we're pretty much trying to stick with the guys we have. Now, Laurie didn't sign an extension, and that – you know, bring certain things into question. You wonder whether or not we'll let him walk or try to get 50 cents on the dollar for him at the minimum and let him be somebody else's issue contract wise. But this team is just too young for 2021. It's funny because when I say 2021 specifically, I say that to say that this new version of the Eastern Conference is as bolstered as it's ever been, um, at least over the last decade. 
And that's a really weird time to be a rebuilding team that's this far behind the eight ball. Now, there's a lot of bright spots of being that young of a team. That means if a lot of your guys hit their, hit their peak a little bit earlier, that means you might have a lot longer sustained su- success. Kobe White, Patrick Williams, Wendell Carter, Daniel Gafford. If these guys pick up the pace and kind of hit not all-star level, you know, even star caliber, but, you know, relatively well, you know, starting role players in the league alongside a star slash all-star caliber player in Zach Levine, this team could have a really drastic ascension quickly if these guys move forward and develop at a rapid pace. But if it takes a while for them to develop, this is a team that is going to kind of watch the Eastern Conference, you know, pass them by. Um, a lot of teams got better. Um, there's even teams that we don't talk about a lot, like Indiana, that has sustained, sustained success despite not really having top-tier talent. I mean, Victor Oladipo and DeMontis Sabonis are the bright spots, but they're not talked about as often as maybe um, – even a guy like DeMarcus Cousins is talked about more than a guy like DeMontis Sabonis nowadays. And DeMarcus Cousins hasn't been right for about two and a half, three years now. So the Eastern Conference, man, is is extremely, extremely dangerous in comparison to years past. And I'm scared that my Chicago Bulls are a little behind the eight ball in the development department. I actually have to disagree with you on that because I know that even though Chicago is 0-3, there are a lot more bright spots than what you are describing. I think that after the Warriors game, Zach Levine proved to me that he's still a top five shooting guard in the Eastern Conference. I think Wendell Carter playing up a double-double against the Warriors as well proved to me that he is on the up-and-coming um, as a – that he is an up-and-coming center in this league. Um, I just think there were a lot more bright spots um, in terms of, I guess, Kobe White as well. Uh, Kobe White had a great game against the Warriors, and then also throughout the entire season. In even though, and even though the the record doesn't show how much potential this team, how I, I guess the winning potential of this team, mm-hmm. I think that Chicago is could be one of the best teams not for this season, but for next season when all their talent develops. Um, I think one of my other takeaways is that Jalen, I think Brooklyn is the real deal. Um, I think Brooklyn is one of the best teams in the league right now. They're two and they're two and one right now with wins against Golden State and Boston. Their only loss is to Charlotte. I've talked about the, I've talked about the potential of this team with all of the talent. That is on this team with guys like Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, uh, Joe Harris, Landry Shamet. And I think one of the only issues I had with them was chemistry because I was mainly concerned with how these guys, how, how those guys were going to play together on the floor. Jalen, this team looks like they've been playing together for five years. I don't see any chemistry issues and Everyone on this team is an asset to the team's success. I think Kyrie and KD are the best duo in the league right now. And we talked about the, the potential of this duo when both of them were healthy and what they can do on the court together. And I'm impressed with what I've seen from them so far. In the first three games, 
Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving combined for 48 points against the Warriors, 66 points against the Celtics, and 54 points against the Hornets. Jalen, I know I said in the past that James Harden would make this team better. I don't think they need James Harden anymore. Man, I do not disagree with you one bit. I'll take it a step further when it comes to the Brooklyn Nets. This is a team that by the end of the year could literally be dripping in NBA accolades because I think it's easy to say that right now both of them are potentially in MVP discussions. I think if if one wins the MVP, I think that the other one is easily up for comeback player of the year. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert are both guys who could be in contention for six man of the year, especially with the way their rotations have been running lately. Karis LeVert has done um, significantly better than I would have expected coming off the bench in certain scenarios. So um, that's a really good bright spot. I had a really good um, game in game two um, of the season, and that was really good from him. I think it was about a 22-point outburst. And um, you put on top of that, you know, Joe Harris can win a three-point contest any day of the week. Um, Steve Nash, everybody loves narratives. And if the Nets are one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference, Steve Nash may be argued to be coach of the year. Like, this is a team that could be dripping in NBA accolades by the end of the year. And although the, 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 the loss to the Hornets was relatively shocking, it's also – just a part of the ebbs and flows of basketball, you know, they're one of only a few teams so far who's already even played, you know, three games. There's a handful of teams, Oklahoma City, for example, that just played their first game a day or two ago. You know what I mean? So that's kind of just how things go. Um, Also, you know, at the end of the day, when another team gets hot, like how Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier specifically did, sometimes it's just, a matter of somebody else having a good night. So I think this Brooklyn team is extremely dangerous. I think that they have two MVP caliber players on their team. I think players are more within their role than I would have ever anticipated considering the circumstances. I think all the chatter about Kyrie self-imploding this team needs to calm down. And um, I did an article for Razball. Kyrie was my player of the week. I mean, and it was easy. It was easy. It was only off of two games. This was prior to the Hornets game that was the other day. But, I mean, the dude's shooting crazy efficient from the floor. He's assisting the ball at a really high rate, which is something everybody is sleeping on, is the fact that Kyrie is, you know, embracing the point guard role in the passing department. And, you know, he just so happens to get, you know, either flirt with 30 points or, you know, get 37 against his old team in the Boston Celtics. So, bro, you, you said it all, bro. The The Brooklyn Nets are the real deal. And anybody who does not have them in the mix for the championship, where are you sleeping at? You need to get a better bid. So transitioning to our question of the day for our fans, what is one takeaway that you've had so far this season? This has been a great episode today on the Hoop Talk podcast. Of course, make sure when you subscribe to us on Apple, you rate our podcast five stars and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you guys next episode. Peace.